Join author and former Vibe Editor-in-Chief Danielle Smith and Black Girl Songbook as she celebrates and uplifts the talent of Black women in the music industry. Tune in for in-depth discussions with your favorite songwriters, producers, and artists, as well as anecdotes from Danielle. Plus, you'll hear the songs of Black women who changed the landscape of American music forever. Check out Black Girl Songbook exclusively on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. to Baseball Barbecue, the only podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network accepting the qualifying offer. One year, 18 million, Jordan? We'll, spl- we'll split it. I'll Sounds split good it. to me. If you're listening and want uh, some of the 18 million, just send us an email. We can we can sauce you some via Venmo or Cash App or wherever your your uh, money exchanging app of choice. That's a lot of money. That sounds pretty good. Uh, obviously, uh, we have not been offered such a deal, but... I do believe uh, that the deadline for players to accept it, although it seems like most people will be rejecting said 18 million, seems pretty nuts, um, (laughs) is coming soon. But we have more news than just the qualifying offer deadline to get to Jake Mintz. Oh, my goodness. We had another alternative plan. We were like, oh, we could do this, you know, settle ease ease into the offseason. We could do a little bit of speculation here, a little speculation there. But no, we have actual Mm. stuff to talk about, which we're very excited to. And we also have a guest. We do There's have a guest. Else, I just want to mention, we also have, we have, a, we have a guest, World Series champion Tucker Davidson uh, will join us in the second half of the show. That was a very fun conversation that you will surely enjoy. Plenty of hashtag fast bus chat that you will not want to miss. From the from a bus rider themselves, you know, that's how you, you can trust the bus because he was on the bus. Uh, Jordan, this morning I woke up, as I do most days, and I went to make myself a fancy cup of coffee with my fancy Chemex, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm, you know, drizzling the the perfectly temperatured water over the perfectly uh, fine grinds that I'm doing, and my phone blurps, and it blurps the blurp, blurp. it blurp blurps. Boo, Jose Barrios bong? deal. Uh, blurp, blurp. Ooh, what do you know? Noah Syndergaard. And it's been quite an exciting morning here. Um, so as I drank my overpriced homemade coffee, I had something to think about. And now on this podcast, 
I have something to talk about. So we will start with Noah Syndergaard, who signed a contract or reportedly will has agreed to a contract with the Los Angeles Angels of Doom for one year and 21 million doll hairs. Um, first thoughts, Jordan. Uh, first thought, uh, let's think about this from, from Syndergaard um, specifically here. Uh, Syndergaard, as I mentioned, the qualif- we mentioned the qualifying offer earlier, uh, seemed like a strong candidate to be one of the, the players to accept um, as a guaranteed $18 million coming off Tommy John after, I mean, he sure looked real good in those two innings for no reason at the end of the season. But I could, I could imagine that uh, he, he might be, look at it and be like, you know what, this is still a good place. I'm comfortable here still make a good chunk of money, and then I'll re-enter the market. But he basically decided, you know what? A one-year deal does still make a lot of sense for me because I can go out and, and prove over the course of the season that I am, I am kind of a badass and you know, one of the better starting pitchers in baseball, uh, which he, he was. It was you know, a weird profile. 2019 was not his best year, but he, he really has been, you know, you know, even with, with some of the injuries before the TJ, he has been a very, very good starting pitcher. But if the, another team was going to give him another $3 million, uh, you know, you, you can make all the Angels injury-prone jokes you want. He's going to take that extra $3 million and go pitch in sunny California and hopefully stay healthy and possibly super-duper cash in next year. I think that is probably uh, the line of thinking for Mr. Syndergaard himself. Well, it is, first of all, important to remember that any free agent that signs with the Angel is doomed. So as far as I'm concerned, he's done. I mean, I think he has he thrown his last pitch in the majors. Yeah, I, probably I, does he even throw for the Angels? But will he get to you know have a, a flashy press conference uh, outside in the in the parking Ooh. lot of the stadium? Probably. Also, probably. I know Artie's got to be really excited about. I that. don't know, man. No, I, think- I I disagree with you. So you know, the Angels are very they're famous for a number of things. You know, they have the two best players in baseball. There was the movie about them in the nineties. Yeah, um, but they, uh, they have six straight losing seasons despite having the two best players in baseball. Yeah. But one thing that you may know them from is that every time they sign a notable free agent, uh, they have the press conference outside the stadium to dunk on everyone else for having crappy weather. Uh, <laughs> and I don't think Syndergaard gets one. I think no, signing I think a right. one-year contract does not earn you an outdoor press conference. I agree. I agree. Probably not. That's it's funny and fitting that that's what they think is dunking on everyone else. Like, yes, you get to enjoy the weather, but also here's Anaheim, a parking lot. Mm-hmm. I they know. couldn't even so do the extra work to drive three miles to the beach. It's just in a parking lot, which is like that's Anaheim culture right there. Perfect weather, parking lot. It's it's so true. So I agree. I don't think he's going to get that press conference. But 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 to your point, you know, you know, the jokes. Oh, he's doomed. He's never going to pitch. Okay, this was also an interesting move because. The timeline was filled with both those jokes, but also, and Bobby prepared to unmute again, Mets fans being like, oh shit, we gotta, get, <laughs> we're gonna have to get another starting pitcher. Like, this is not good. Like, we, we kind of lost this guy in a way we maybe expected him to come back, uh, you know, via the QO. And so it kind of had a, a, an uneasy feeling from both sides. Now, there are also some much more straightforward fans that's like, no, no, this is exactly the kind of risk the Angels should be taking. And jokes aside, that is, that is probably true. That's probably true. Um, and they are obviously urgently trying to get back to the postseason, get back to above 500 as quickly as possible, forget the postseason. And I think it's fine. I think it's a totally good risk. I think he's he could be a very good pitcher if he does come back the way that uh, most guys coming back from Tommy John do. Uh, my, uh, the 
obvious point is that um they have a ton more work to do <laughs> and this roster still has this is this is the first of many more moves that they would need to make uh to to contend in the AL West from the Mets perspective if Noah Syndergaard's name was Coriander McInturf or something and he was just a guy who you know was on a one-year deal with the Mets or you know how could a guy just be named Coriander McIntyre? <laughs> you know, I thought you were honestly say he'd be worth one year thirty million if his name was Coriander McIntyre. <laughs> there's there's everyone's newest uh, MLB the Show uh, creative player. <laughs> so if he was named Coriander McIntyre and wasn't like an iconic Mets figure from the last decade, I think the sentiment would be very different. Because he hasn't thrown a really meaningful inning since 2019 when he was average that year. He hasn't been an elite starting pitcher since 2018. He's coming off of Tommy John. And I don't think it's the biggest deal for the Mets not to bring him back. The reason it looks terrible is because of the optics swirling around the Mets right now. Because if the Mets had a general manager and a manager... And they came to a decision that it was not worth bringing Syndergaard back, and they had rationale behind that. Then I think it does actually make some sense because then you trust them. Oh, they're going to go out and bring Stroman back. Oh, they're going to go get Kevin Gossman, whatever. But because the Mets don't have anybody, you know, helming the ship, there's no reason to trust the process here. And so what it looks like is that they're letting Syndergaard stroll away for nothing. Right. I mean, you know, to be clear with the QL on the table, uh, it's we're really talking about, I guess, presumably like a counter offer, right? Or some sort of further negotiation to be like, oh, no, wait, actually, you know, we'll offer you 235 to come back or something along those lines. Um, and it doesn't seem like that is what's going to happen. Uh, and so he will be gone. Bobby Wagner, you're a Mets fan. Are you, I mean, to me, I, I, I agree with Jake's general point um, that the optics are worse than maybe the actual baseball fallout. But it is another thing they have to do because I do feel like a lot of Mets fans were kind of penciling him returning. Is that fair? I think most people were expecting him to take the qualifying offer because I don't think that we expected another team to beat it because 18.4 million is a lot for a single year for a starting pitcher who has not, like Jake said, been a great pitcher in Major League Baseball since 2018. Now, his ceiling is obviously his 2016 year is is as elite as it gets, basically, aside from like a Jacob DeGrom season or like a Justin Verlander season. He was incredible that year. And it was like a, a weird year because the Mets finished in the wild card and like it was kind of like in that afterglow of 2015. And um, I think people forget how great he was, but the, we're now five, six years removed from that. So I think that the 18.4 was the Mets basically ceiling offer given where the rest of their payroll is and how they will need to go into the luxury tax basically just to build out a complete roster. So to be going higher and higher on Syndergaard and getting in a bidding war for one year of Syndergaard, if you really love him and you really want to bring him back, then you try to re-sign him in free agency next year after his one year with the Angels and you hope that his value is not like Garrett Cole value, 10 years, 320 or whatever. But I am a little sad about it. Like I'm sad that he's leaving on a one-year deal somewhere else. Right, I'm yeah. surprised by it. I would have expected that he would just, like the value of continuity for him, a place where he developed into the pitcher that he is, a uh, field that he knows that he can pitch at, like fans that he knows love them, 
an organization that would have been behind him, unless there's some sort of discord behind the scenes that I don't know about. Which there would have very been well than that. could be because it's the Mets. Like, <laughs> no, for someone to Mets? Op- yeah, the Mets. For someone wanting to like leave Mets world, that is, I will never question that. Like anybody who leaves, yes. But if you're worried about <laughs> discord and you're worried about a, a dumpster fire, you leave to go to the Angels. Well, right. I mean, well, yes, because they're, you know, again, three more million dollars is a lot more million dollars. But I will say it is just stunning because, you know, remember, I don't know, it's going to cost them three million just to move all of those baths, those hot saunas all the way to Los Angeles. It is. I will say it is. It is one of the few places he could go where Mets fans can legitimately be like, really, dude, like you sure you want to go there instead of stick around our circus? Um, (laughs) One more thing about this. He should have signed with like the Giants. Yeah, then we they, then we all know be why? Like, boom, Cy Young. <laughs> but the here's the thing, guys. The Giants didn't want to pay him. The yeah, reason he's in the Angels is because he took the money, which again, always understandable, always fair. But it is worth pointing out that like how many the Giants got cash to throw around. They, but they don't want to throw it to Noah Syndergaard, who's not a sure thing. How many innings would you expect out of Noah Syndergaard next year? If he gives you 115 innings, I think that's a win, right? So you're paying 21 million dollars for 100, you know. 115 innings of like 3.8 ERA, 3.4 ERA. Like, that's yeah, I think good. he's going to be better than that. That's good. I think he's going to okay. be better than that. I don't. That's good and that's helpful, <laughs> but I think that the Mets can find a more sure thing than that. Yeah, and and it'll be really interesting to see who that is because again, you, you know, you look at that rotation now, and it's the Grom who still is the best pitcher in the world by far, and you know, comes with his own injury question marks, and then it's Tywin Walker, Carrasco, Tylor, more Tylor. Tyler, the creator, and Tread uh, David Peterson. Tread lightly. Don't say anything bad David about Tyler. David Peterson, who's not better than John Means. So David Peterson <laughs> that is, has yet to have the opportunity to prove. Is he even going to is he even going to pitch next year? He had Tommy John like halfway through last season, didn't he? No, Lucchese did. Lucchese. Lucchese. Oh, okay, not right. Peterson. <laughs> can't remember what soft throwing left hander had Tommy John on the Mets. <laughs> Bobby, so much you trauma since then. You can't both be saying David Peterson hasn't gotten his shot. And the Mets need to upgrade the starting rotation. Because if the Mets upgrade the starting rotation, he's, as they should, he's, he's out of there. Yeah. No, he's... No, I would DFA on. David Peterson tomorrow if it meant signing Justin Verlander for one year. Ooh, well, we'll get to Verlander uh, a little bit later on here in the show. And by the That's way, not also, gonna happen, but we yeah. will also get to to the Billy Epler news uh, here in a little bit. Um, now, again, back to Anaheim. It's like, all right, cool. So now you got Otani. All right, he's, you know, best player in the world. Cool. Uh, Syndergaard, awesome. And then, you know, we're looking at Sandoval, Patrick Sandoval, Jose Suarez, Jaime Berea. So, you know, that's pretty good. Uh, the offense is honestly a bigger... Co- I would be... I, honestly, the, the rest of the lineup to me is a bigger concern than some of those pitchers. Like, Sandoval and Suarez and Berea are at least, like, young and have, like, promising, you know, ingredients. I mean... Okay, the more that, I the, think about this, the more I think about this, the better I feel about the Mets because I actually think the Mets are operating and this might be nuts to say are operating in an echelon above the angels. The angels <laughs> needed to give Noah Syndergaard $21 They're million. They're barely dollars. operating. How I are know. they operating in any echelon? <laughs> Just listen. They, the angels needed they, to they give. They offered the QO to the two right guys. I mean, fans could have told you which two guys should have gotten the QO offers in like July, but at least they actually sent the QO to both Look, of those guys. The Mets nailed it for me. The Angels need to give Noah Syndergaard $21 million. They need to take that risk because of where they're at. The Mets, I think, are a much better roster as currently constructed than the Angels. 
And therefore, I think they have the ability to pay for more money to get a more sure thing. Now, if the dust settles in March and they don't have any other arms, then we can reevaluate it. But I think the Mets are going to go out and pay Gossman or pay Verlander, probably not Scherzer, maybe Robbie Ray. Right? They're, they're going to get one of these guys, uh, even Di Sclafani. Like, I would rather yeah. have Di Sclafani in 2022 than Noah Syndergaard. The Angels should just do the Angels should just one last dance this and just sign a bunch of great starting pitchers on one year deals like one Cranky, year fifty one year fifty million for Scherzer one sure. year forty one million for Verlander they're gonna one try. year twenty two million for Granky and they should just run a two hundred ninety million dollar payroll for a single year you can get Granky for one year six million but that's a different conversation uh, the only the only the only thing I would I would uh, push back Bobby before we move on to who's actually going to be running the Mets here. Uh, and then we will circle back um, to Barrios and Erod. Don't worry. Um, I would I would have given Aaron Loop the QO. Just I just wanted to say I, I think <laughs> as probably the best left-handed reliever in baseball, him maybe even VR. I think I would have offered just thrown that eighteen million. I mean Steve Cohen. You know he's got all the money in the world. Why not? You just got to retain your players. Um, okay, so now there was no GM to really make those decisions, even if some of them were kind of easy. But finally, we have reached our long national nightmare is over. And the Mets have somehow landed on uh, <laughs> a candidate that both is not a complete farce, but also still an embarrassment in some senses. And that is hiring Billy Epler, former GM of the team we just talked about, who, as I mentioned, uh, six consecutive losing se- seasons uh, over which Epler was uh, in charge of five. He had best player in the world and then the other best player in the world that he basically got for free and didn't do a whole lot with it. Now, there are more issues that go far beyond anything that Epler could control in Anaheim, but they never won anything while he was there. And now he will be running the Mets. How do we get here, Jake Mintz? How is Billy Epler the GM of the Mets? The Mets asked everyone to come to their birthday party and everyone had quote-unquote plans you know like when you when someone asks you to do something and you don't want to do it and you just say that you're busy you don't you don't have, you don't say specifically but all the other candidates had plans and therefore the Mets ended up with Billy Epler he was the 20th choice to come to the to prom um but they have someone to be there now who am whoever they ended up with and it is looking like Billy Epler was is going to have the shadow and the cloud of the whole process that it took to get here. And that's both unavoidable and kind of unfair to Epler. I think it is very difficult to evaluate general managers, really any baseball operations people, because we don't know what they deserve credit for and we don't know what they deserve scorn for, right? And the only things that we have to go off of when evaluating someone are the moves that they presided over, in various places, but we have no idea, right, what level of input Epler had in wooing Shohei Otani or trading for Justin Upton, which at the time was a good deal. How much input did he have in extending Justin Upton, which was a bad idea, right? We don't know these things, especially in the context of Anaheim, where uh, Artie Moreno has his fingers in the cookie jar all the time. So I think Epler maybe gets a little bit of a bad rap because of where he's coming from. I I think that on the player de, the player dev side, that's where the critiques are more legitimate, especially for pitchers, where the Angels failed for his entire tenure to develop a, like significant legitimate starting pitching. 
Well, it's that. And like the thing that Epler was known for and what he was, you know, mostly did uh, the bulk of when he was with the Yankees as an AGM is, is scouting, right? Scouting and player development. And the Angels also haven't exactly drafted particularly well. You know, they, they, they did have some hits uh, with, with picks like Marsh. Um, and Adele is, you know, we're still waiting and seeing on him. But, you know, I, I'm not going to call that a miss. But especially the last few years, I mean, there are a lot of, you know, million-dollar seemingly non-prospects that have already emerged. And and yeah, I mean, but on the player dev side, which he also presided over, which maybe wasn't his his forte in in New York, like yeah, they've they've failed as as badly as anybody um, at a time when it is most glaring and embarrassing when you have Mike Trout on your team, and that that is a failure. So I think your overall point about about Judge GMs is 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 totally fair, and I think that especially in a situation where we know the owner is involved in a lot of the more expensive decisions, there's still a lot on the Epler resume. Like this is five years and really not a lot of home runs uh, transactions. Um, there are some trades that, that you know, going back and looking, we're actually, uh, you know, somewhat savvy, but there's a lot of work to be done. Now, all that said, now he's with the Mets. Um, there's also, by the way, a very important larger conversation to be had <laughs> about us ending up with another you know, white guy retread who's already been a GM. That's that point d- needs to be made and is, is a much more important, larger conversation. There's a good piece uh, in the athletic uh, from Ken Rosenthal, uh, Ken Williams, Kenny Williams with the White Sox talking a lot about that, that issue. Um, so that, uh, the optics of that are also concerning, I would say. But in terms of what to expect from Billy Upward, the, the actual baseball man, I mean, first of all, it seems like Sandy's still kind of around and going to be in charge inexplicably. And we just don't know what what kind of the what the pressures that Cohen's going to be putting on him compared to the pressures that Moreno's putting on them and what kind of involvement. It's just hard to say. So while I guess he did have a good reputation before he went to Anaheim as, as a well, but you know, so does so many of these guys. And you know, that's at the very least thing. let's just hope he doesn't get arrested. <laughs> Again, yes, no arrest. The 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 big thing is Right. We, we, what do we have to go off of? We have, we have the previous trades and the moves. And then we have like the things that people in baseball say about a new candidate or a new hire, but we can't trust that anymore. And really, we never should have. Right. Jared Porter got hired. Everyone was like, Oh, this is the best guy. Right. And here we are two GMs later. So to me, that is a whole bunch of noise. I look, I'm, I've been as critical as anybody about the Angels. And you know, I think it's the most embarrassing front office or, you know, baseball operations kerfuffle in the last century. Right. Team building mess. Yeah. And I, I think Epler has some blame for that. I think I, with the candidates left on the table, okay, with the candidates left on the table, he's not a bad hire. The issue is the Mets need sure. to ask themselves why they are. In a situation <laughs> right. where they have to do this, that's the problem. Exactly. I think Epler is 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 a is a representation of the issue the Mets already found themselves in. Now, the, many 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 levels. Exactly. Now there were are all these rumors that they want a staff gap so that they can pay David Stearns, the Brewers GM, next year, which is a hilarious example of guy from place. People assume he wants to live and work in place. It's very NBA to just be like, oh, he'll, just, he'll obviously want to come here eventually. We just did this. We just did this. We know. can't keep letting them get away with this. So we can't keep letting them leak to the same exact reporters that their goal is to hire the same guy that their goal was to hire three months ago who denied them three months ago. Are they going to try to hire Billy Bean next year too? 2022 yep. Billy Bean? Probably. Kyan Bloom 
going to Boston, where he's from, was the worst thing that could have happened for all of us. For this perspective, but the Red Sox. Okay, but <laughs> because also now it's like, Red- oh well, he's from the city. Oh, he would love to yeah, but- lead the Mets. Oh, he's from the Upper West Side. Oh, but of course, Heim Bloom understood that Boston didn't need Mookie Betts. <laughs> My column. Yeah, not. But I would say the Red Sox also, you know, tripled his raised salary. Right. But also, more importantly. He was like, yeah, of course I'll come over for the Red Sox. They're the Red Sox. Sounds great. They're like a reputable, great organization. Whereas the Mets were like, we'll, you know, quintuple your whatever salary. Who cares? And then people are like, nah, and pe- people leave the Rays. No the Pine Bloom was not the like he was not the president of baseball operations for the Rays. You know, like right. Everyone, people actually many leave. people have left the Rays. Yeah, there's no proof that Stearns wants to leave the Brewers. In fact, yeah. there's a lot of evidence that he doesn't. <laughs> Is the guy below him didn't want to leave the Brewers? <laughs> I know. I had to look up pictures of that guy for like a solid two hours before he denied that he wanted to leave. Okay, Bobby, any, any, I mean, yeah, is this a fair, yeah, sorry, Jake, one more, one more thing. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I have one more Mets Jam related thing. I, I would like to pour one out for Adam Cromie, uh, who briefly entered our lives a couple of weeks ago. Adam Cromie, uh, who worked for the Nats and then left the Nats, I believe in 2017. And has spent the last four years working at a Pittsburgh law firm, just doing lawyer shit. Uh, Adam Cromie yes. does not look like he'll be the next Mets GM. Um, and I just, <laughs> I'm very thankful. Leaving open a possibility there. <laughs> he may come out Could of nowhere. Have. Billy Epler might just renege on it and not show up. And then I mean, they might have to hire Adam Cromie. If Adam Cromie never is involved in baseball again and spends the, spends the rest of his life doing real estate law in Pittsburgh, he will forever live as a footnote in my baseball brain as what could have been the arch alternate reality where Adam Cromie becomes the Mets GM and that he builds a dynasty that will we'll never know. Uh, well, Jake, as uh, I'm, I will be leaving to drive to Pittsburgh uh, moments after this podcast finishes recording. If I see Mr. Cromie, I will wish him good luck. Cromie 2012, a baby. A fruitful and l- lucrative career uh, in the in the law sector. Bobby, any final Mets GM thoughts before we move to the other bits of news involving talented starting pitchers? My final thought is they better find a, a true long-lasting president of baseball operations before 2023 because Chris Christie's going to need to ramp up that presidential election campaign. So we're not going to have anybody else to look for a guy once Chris Christie's out the door. Can you believe that Adam Cromie released all that information about Hillary? Just weeks before the election? (laughs) Well, I was going to say, you know, everyone's like, well, at least they didn't go with who Chris Christie uh, picked. How do we know Chris Christie wasn't like, you know, that Julio Tehran signing, I actually didn't (laughs) mind. I thought that was a good gamble. And it just kind of it just kind of blew up in his face. Julio Tehran, famous Met killer. That would have went far in the in the halls of City Field. Trust me. Famous Met killer. All right. Let's move on. No more Mets. Uh, Let's talk about the other news. The first news of the week feels like years ago. Um, although I still don't think it's been officially uh, announced because obviously these things take time when you're dealing in tens of millions of dollars. Eduardo Rodriguez, the first big fish to be reeled in by the the uh, the big spenders, the number one offseason winners or offseason you know aspiring winners, the Detroit Tigers, five years, seventy-seven million dollars. And this is pretty straightforward. Pretty straightforward move. This is the kind of thing that brings more stability, credibility. It's not a crazy amount of money. There's reason to expect he can be better. You know, he he had some historically terrible uh, 
ball and play luck uh, in 2021. And, you know, presumably this is the first of, of many moves this winter for Detroit. And it does make me look at their rotation and be like, okay, we're a little bit closer to something that I'm, I'm actually uh, impressed by. And uh, credit to them and credit to Erod, who's uh, been an underrated pitcher for quite some time. Very enjoyable uh, presence in our life. Obviously, have to mention, like, remember that where he was at a year ago as someone who, uh, you know, got COVID and was dealing with myocarditis to the point where he was very, very, very sick and it was a very scary, scary situation. So you can imagine he might be in a situation to take. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's like, hell yeah, let's do it. Let's lock this in. Let's get some certainty. And I, I don't blame him at all. And it's, it seems like a good deal for both sides. Uh, the Tigers. Good for the Tigers. I think at the beginning of the offseason, everyone was like, ooh, the Tigers. Ooh. Tigers, Tigers, and Tigers. Oh, my. You know? And <laughs> the Erod signing does not move the needle, but it is a strong foundation upon which to build. It is, we talk, Jordan, about to win a World Series, you need to have adults in the room. You need to have actual professional baseballmen throwing balls, hitting balls, and the like. And that is exactly what it, uh, Eduardo Rodriguez is. He gives that rotation legitimacy. It's a very young rotation. He gives them some, them some uh, stability. He's going to make 30 starts and he's going to have an ERA in the mid threes. And that's what the Tigers need if they want to compete yep. for the division. And that division is sneaky open. This, it, Even if this is just the first step, it's a good first step. I don't really think there's a lot more to talk about here. Yeah, I would say, I mean, you know, there's some fun speculation like, oh, him and Correa could be teammates. And like, remember, Correa was like, yeah, I loved him taunting me with his own, you know, what time is it celebration? So like that, that'd be cool. That'd be that'd be a fun little fun little twist. Uh, but yeah, I'll just say that, you know, like as a Mariners fan, a, t- a fan of a team that is also supposed to be like aggressive and like, you know, making shit happen this winter and watching, you know, Mariners fans on Twitter be like, come on, like do something already. Like this is. I'm sure Tigers fans are like, all right, like, here we go. Like, that's something feeling good. Like, didn't take long. And that's, and that that they deserve credit for. And, and I think it works out for both sides. Shouts out to Little Caesars, Jordan. Shouts out to Little Caesars brand loyalty. That was one of the biggest things that happened to me this summer on the bike trip was discovering that Little Caesars in Detroit is good. It is better (laughs) if you're in Detroit. (laughs) There you go. Not an ad. Uh, (laughs) It's not an ad. No, not an ad. And that's where the money comes from. And, you know, on the scale of uh, owners, good for the Illiches for spending in a relatively small market city. We love to see it. The the Illich hot and ready uh, dynasty uh, lives on. Um, now, he was not the only one who, uh, you know, reeled in a good bit of cash as a, a somewhat shocking extension. I was totally not on my radar at all as we were, you know, shuffling through our Syndergaard feelings on this Tuesday morning. A seven-year $131 million extension for Jose Brios. Holy shit. Um, this, to me, smells like, you know what? We need, first of all, they paid a hefty price to get this man. <laughs> and and if they were only going to have him for one more year, uh, you could see the takes a year from now, you know, and Austin Martin's in the big leagues and Simeon Woods Richardson's one of the best, better pitching prospects in baseball. I'll be like, damn, you know, Brios is going to walk and then that's all. But no. This is a hell of a pitching, hell of an extension for a starting pitcher, but Rios has been durable. He's He's been very, very effective. Um, he's obviously was very well liked in his short time in Toronto. And uh, for a team that, you know, clearly has more money than uh, than we literally know because they're, you know, a Canadian uh, behemoth of <laughs> their Rodgers, 
uh, good for them. This, this seems, and, and I'm thrilled for Jose Barrios. I mean, holy shit, I couldn't even fathom him getting, like, if he was a free agent this year, would he get seven one thirty one? I I don't know. That's 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 pretty, well, they're pretty buying, good. I know they're buying out the up. last year arb eleven mil, and then it's yeah. basically it's basically six years of of twenty a year. Right is is how it actually breaks down, which which All makes right. sense to me. I think the Brio de, Brios deal and the Erod deal too shows you the value of a starting pitcher who, at least in theory, could go through a lineup twice in the postseason. Right, that's there's the difference is Barrios is like a starter. He gives you six innings, and he goes out and which in the postseason is five because how starters get treated. In the but he is three and a half. Three and a half. No, he can go through a lineup two times at least in the postseason, and he makes all the starts in a season. And you know that's that's valuable. I want to talk about Barrios in the context of Puerto Rico. So Barrios was one of just, I believe the number is like around fifteen Puerto Ricans who pitched last year in the big leagues. The number is very small, especially compared to the number of shortstops, middle infielders, and catchers that come out of Puerto Rico. If you look at the all-time leaderboard for Puerto Rican pitching, Barrios is among starters. He is the 10th most starts all-time amongst Puerto Rican pitchers. Already, 10th. And he's only 27. So yeah. he has a legitimate chance, I think, to be this, when it's all said and done, to be the second greatest Puerto Rican starter of all time behind Javier Vasquez, who was, man, he was nails. That guy was good. Yeah. So yeah, I, that dude is a beast. it's just an interesting thing how certain countries produce certain players. I asked around today, talked to some front office people. Jordan sends some texts. Whoa, look at Jake. Like, why are, you know, why does Puerto Rico produce, you know, fewer pitchers than than some of the other Latin American areas? And I got an interesting, you know, some interesting responses. A lot of people think it has to do with the draft, right? So Puerto Rico is subject to the draft. And what that means is there are just by number fewer Puerto Rican players in the minor leagues than there are, you know, other Latin American areas. So you can sign as many Dominican kids, 15-year-olds throwing 94 as you want, whereas from Puerto Rico, you don't really have that choice. Um, there are only, you know... You're not going to spend that many picks. Exactly. That's part of it. And then part of it is, you know, you kids want to be what they can see. And so there have just historically been more Puerto Rican catchers, Pudge, and Puerto Rican infielders nowadays with Korean, uh, Korea and Baez. And that creates kind of a feedback loop where kids don't, want to do the thing that they don't see. But it is certainly right. interesting and notable that Jose Barrios, who I think in our minds is like the definition of a 55 starting pitcher, like he's a good starting pitcher in the major leagues, has a very good chance of being the second greatest Puerto Rican starter of all time. Yeah, no, he's he's legit and, and he'll it'll be in Toronto, as we now know. We don't know, no, uh, no questioning where that will be taking place. So... Um, very, very cool move uh, for both sides there. Uh, and then the last, last thing we, we just wanted to mention here, because um, before we before we go to break and then and then talk to Tucker Davidson, is is this is a lot of movement in the starting pitching market. And as far as free agents go, uh, this was where I think we kind of thought, okay, we might. This is where we really might start to have some action before the CBA expires on December first. And this is this is big. And you know, there have been some whispers that Syndergaard could come off, or sorry, Syndergaard said Verlander. 
Uh, you know, another guy coming off TJ could, could be coming off the board very, very soon, um, who also seems to be expected to reject the qualifying offer. So that could happen this week. Um, but the, you know, now that we've these numbers for each of these kind of tiers of starters, and that, that by the way, includes Barrios with this extension, maybe starts to, to open things up for, you know, maybe, you know, Robbie Ray's kind of, Ray and Gossman, Stroman still kind of exist in their own tier at the top, but all those guys in the middle, you know, the John Grays, the Di Sclafani's, um, of course, you know, the shorter term guys like Scherzer, uh, like me, I guess Kershaw, although I imagine that one's going to probably take a little bit longer. Um, Steven Matz, right? Like there are a lot of arms here. Carlos Rodon, right? You know, of course, we talked about him last week. There are a lot of guys that that maybe we could see start to move quickly now that it's like, all right, like, and say, so I think Syndergaard getting 21 means I think Verlander is going to, I mean, I know, I know two for 40 was kind of thrown around. I, had a little, I feel like he'll probably beat that. Um, but yeah, there's... There's uh, it's I, I think we could really have some more action here. So hopefully not too much more by the time you're listening to this. <laughs> um, but uh, I think uh, I think the starting pitching market is definitely going to kind of keep on flowing. Verlander to the Yankees looking good. That would be a tough one for him, though. Jordan, you know, he'd have to shave his arm hair. Which, you know, yeah. for Yankees, that's pitchers, what they said. It's like, oh, and, yeah. and this is uh, people talk. It's like it's so regressive. Like, can you believe that the Yankees are still making their pitchers shave their arm hair? But like. Verlander, can you imagine seeing him without his arm hair? Though I Cole, can't even picture. I it. can't even picture it. I have no idea. I what can't he even look like, like. Oh, it's going to be super. I'm I'm, I'm barely going to be able to recognize him. What's but, the worst case yeah, scenario for like, the Mets? Yeah, Stephen Matz, John Gray. <laughs> that's Alex it. Wood. Alex Wood. Let me tell you, as a as a as a Mariners fan, uh, I would love uh, Anthony DiScalfani in Seattle. I think that they should package deal Stephen Matz and Robbie Ray and just put them in a room together until Robbie Ray teaches Stephen Matz how to stop nibbling with great stuff from the left side. And you, they had the whole season to do that. They were talking. Toronto. What do you think they oh, were doing? So true. So true. No, it was. <laughs> it they were distracted. Worked. No, they were distracted. They had a lot Matz going on. They're playing in Buffalo. They're playing in all these different places. You know, it's too tough. Too tough. Give them another shot. Bring Long Island Stephen Matz back to Queens. All right. It might have, yeah, you know, Bobby, sure with the his, with the yeah. new terminal opening up at Grand Central Station, it's much going to be much easier to get out to the island <laughs> in 2022. Technically, I think Queens is already part of Long Island geographically. It's not actually; it's like part of New York mm. City still. But you know, interesting. He could live at home. Uh, those are those are. He could live the, with you. <laughs> new Andrew Velasquez. The news. The news is out. Oh, Andrew Velasquez, by the way, glad you mentioned that. Pretty sure he was claimed by the Angels. Yeah. On waivers. Yeah, he's I from there. He's, he's from there. <laughs> he's from Anaheim. Jose Rojas is like, yo, this is my big. Okay, you don't get to do this over here. He grew also. up going to Ducks games. Uh, am, I, am I crazy? Yeah. Andrew, Andrew Velasquez is going to live at his parents' house in the Bronx and commute <laughs> to Angel Stadium. He's yeah. going to take the train to the train to the plane to the Uber. <laughs> it's only like a 20-minute drive to LaGuardia from the Bronx. It's not that bad. We need to fix our high-speed rail problem so that Andrew Velasquez can have a better commute. Hell yeah. Oh, All right. To Angel Stadium. Right, Bobby, we, we, can talk take... about, we can talk about yeah. high-speed rail off-air. I've been absolutely sucking down transportation-related YouTube videos. That's right. <laughs> Billion-dollar infrastructure deals, no high-speed rails to fix Andrew Velasquez's problem. Mm, hey, how come Joe Biden? More on that after the break on Baseball Barbecue. Just kidding. We're going to talk to World Series champion Tucker Davidson. 
This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome back to Baseball Barbecue. We are now very excited to be joined by World Series champion and most importantly, World Series at bat haver, Tucker Davidson. Tucker (laughs) Davidson, welcome to Baseball Barbecue, my friend. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Swing hard just in case. That's my introduction. (laughs) Well, I I could have said World Series strikeout victim, but that doesn't seem very nice. I just wanted to mention that you batted in the World Series. I mean, I was a strikeout victim like all year. I mean, 0 for 10 with 10 punches. It's just (laughs) chalking it up at this point. (laughs) So where's that universal DH? (laughs) It's coming. Don't you worry. Don't you worry. It is certainly coming. (laughs) Well, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Okay. Well, we know where Tucker stands on that. Now, now, Tucker, uh, first of all, uh, obviously, we have a lot to get to. I mean, you know, the the usual congratulations. You're World Series champ. That's all good and well. But uh, I understand you. I, I think you're you're back uh, back home in Texas. Is is that correct? We're talking to you right now. Yes, I am. Day one okay. of off season today, so it's been a it's been a long morning with the oh. the leg day today. Oh boy. Okay. So Oof. so now my my first question is, um, it, you know, Jake and I, you know, we've worked in baseball for a while, and mm-hmm. something that that often happens is is when I am connecting with friends that do not follow baseball at all, right? And they'll be like, "Hey, how was the World Series? How was this?" And I'm like, oh, it was really exciting. Like they, they have no idea what would happen. Have you had any experiences since you won the World Series now that you're back at home <laughs> where people that you know in your life have been like, hey, Tucker, like, what's up, dude? Like, how are things? Or does everybody know how's, that you won the World Series? How's work going? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so kind of a little bit. I had one guy, I went back to Amarillo where I'm a friend originally, and I, I was literally a celebrity there. I went to my high school football game. And like, I was signing pictures with like every cheerleader band member. You can imagine taking pictures and I'd kind of hear a couple of people like, who is that? And then you would just, somebody would be like, oh, he won the world series. And they would be like, oh, I won his autograph. And just kind of like okay. all jump in on the moment. Okay. So like, I think I probably made it maybe two hours at least in Amarillo, like before somebody like, Tucker, like, Hey, congratulations. And that was kind of cool of like being able to go back to a smaller town and get to experience that. Cause it wasn't, it was big for me, obviously, but it was also, I was the first Amarillo ISD kid to ever pitch in the world series or be a part of like a world series. So for Amarillo, that's such a big special thing, but I do work out in Dallas. So I'm just another average 
Joe in the gym and nobody has any idea. And you got, I'm with Kyle Moore and Chris Muller and they're two, six, five, six, seven, just big old bodies. And we're in the gym and I'm just sure people are like, what are those guys doing over there? They've been squatting for 35 minutes. Like, do you know when you meet someone in the world, like whether you're like maybe at a, you know, a dinner party, you meet your friend's girlfriend or your friend's boyfriend that, you know, maybe they don't follow too much baseball and they're like, Oh, what do you do? Are you going to have people this option being like, Oh, Tucker, very cool. What, what do you do for work? Like how, how yeah. would you go about answering that question? So it kind of depends on, I kind of take two ways to it. Kind of depends on who it is. Like if it's just like somebody I don't want to deal with, like talking about baseball, just like, Hey, I'm just meeting you like an Uber driver. I try to avoid like dropping the, yeah, I play professional baseball to Uber drivers. Cause they'll turn around and look at you and be like, wait, are you serious? And I'm like, yeah, like I'm not kidding. And then they'll, they'll start wanting to talk about their thing. So usually I'm a real estate agent at Ubers. Um, and I'll just make them some, it's good because I can travel with it and be like, Oh, I'm here looking at a house that I want to potentially buy that, you know, so kind of <laughs> you know, that, really, but, real estate stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I, oh, I had one Uber who was like, well, can I get your card and like, want to talk to you about like an apartment? And I was like, Oh no. Like, I was like, I don't have any on me. I'm like, I like gave him my number and he like texted me like two days later. Like, Hey, I'm still interested in this apartment. I'm like, Oh man, I feel bad. Oh man, this runs way too deep. That's so funny. But I I love that. But, but at the same time, even if you, you know, you jumped in the Uber, you know, you get back to Texas. Oh, how, how was, how was your trip? Oh, it was good. I won the world series. Okay, nice. Okay, cool. Sweet. <laughs> I, I still well, don't think people would believe me because I'm, exactly, I'm 6'2", exactly. 200 pounds. Like, I'm just kind of like an average white looking guy. And it's yeah. like, I just can throw a baseball. That's about it. But I don't have like anything like, whoa. So, <laughs> so uh, you did win the World Series, which again, very cool. Uh, I am on your uh, college Wikipedia page, Midland College. And I, I scrolled down to notable alumni and there is a notable absence, Jordan. Tucker Davidson has not been uh, added to the notable alumni page for Midland the College. Midland College That's terrible. Page. A Spud Webb is here, though. Hey, That's- hey, he's a legend in Midland College. Everybody <laughs> knows that Spud Webb went to Midland College. Okay, so you got no beef with with Spud being on there over you. That's that makes sense. You know, I, mean, you got a I might have to go. to go edit it myself or like <laughs> send him like a DM. Be like, hey, we got to get this fixed. Come on, don't you want to? You know, you know, flex the World Series champion. Um, but but that's actually a, a good place to start. We don't have to go through your whole career, but like you, I mean, you know, one of the one of the beauties of of baseball is just how the all the different journeys that people take to get to the major leagues at all, let alone get to the World Series, let alone win the World Series. And for you, just this season on its own has been quite a ridiculous journey. Of course, everyone knows, you know, you didn't pitch in the big league since since June. And then suddenly, right. you know, you're starting game five. Uh, and I know we talked to you a little bit uh, on the field uh, after you guys won about this. But can you can you recount just from the, you know, you're at the alt site to, oh, my God, I'm starting game five, because I think people would would appreciate hearing that that little timeline. <laughs> So we, we can put it this way. June 15th, I had an elbow injury. Didn't pitch in the big leagues again till October 31st. Um, so in between then, I didn't throw for six weeks. I had to kind of build back up after not throwing for a while. Got into a game at AAA Gwinnett on the last game of the season. I think that was no, no October 3rd. October 3rd, yep. Mm-hmm. And then pretty much was at the alternate site. And I was facing our AAA manager, Matt Tiasasopa, and Ryan Castile, one of our catchers. And that was about how, all how many people? had. Be- yeah, I was going to say, how many people were at the alternate site wearing baseball pants? <laughs> wearing baseball pants, 
including pitchers, maybe eight, seven or eight. Because like Pache was there and like he went up when Solaire got COVID. So like Camargo was up and down. Um, We had like Jacob Webb was up and down throughout kind of things. So there were some roster moves. So it was kind of like interchanging. But for the most part, it was two hitters, five. It's such a tiny group of people to be at a you know, a triple A stadium, you know, that's, that's not a normal baseball practice. No, You're not basically at all, not just at a all. bunch of like professional friends taking live BP. Right. I mean, in an empty stadium, was the music on? Like how, how, <laughs> like, so Camar- what, what Camargo's is, big vibes? on the music and he's got a big old Bose speaker that he carries around over on his shoulder. And like, I mean, the Latin music's playing, but like whenever it's time to like, Hey, we got a hit. So they turn it down a little bit. And then whenever in between innings, they'll turn it back up. And there's kind of like, a little bit of a vibe but there's also we're facing hitters and this is our time to work of hey just in my case hey something happens you're going up and you got to be ready so you got to be locked in no literally who knows i remember i was talking to my agent i'm like what am i doing like here still like kind of like am i like gonna be an option for the world series and he's like i don't know like we'll find out on i think it was like sunday sunday was like the due date of like you have to be like on the roster and I wasn't, and he was like, well, you just got to throw like once, maybe twice more. And it's like, you're going to make it. You're going to be a World Series champion after they win it, blah, blah, blah. And then I threw one inning on Monday. I think it was a Monday, Monday or Tuesday of game one. And then I'm watching the game at the Marriott, uh, the Courtyard Marriott down the street from the stadium, eating Cheesecake Factory. And then I see Charlie Shouts get hit out. in the ankle. And I'm like, oh, I was like, I'm the like only starting pitcher down here still because Kyle Wright already got moved up. And I was like. I think I'm going to Houston tomorrow. So I like kind of like calmed down a little bit and was like, I need to go pack and like get ready for this like phone call and these like turn of events that's about to happen. Right. So I think you, you told us, so you're basically just watching on the TV with, with you, with your coaches and team. Like, I mean, I guess who, right. Yeah, it was our pitching coordinator and our strength and conditioning coach. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I was having a glass of wine, like enjoying my (laughs) night, just like I was being a baseball fan essentially. Like right. I'm watching this game, like in depth, like our of pitching course. coordinator's got the heat maps for Perea up and he's right, thinking, right, right. cause you know how they're working. He's kind of like, well, why did Charlie throw it here? Why did he do this thing? And I'm like, I'm just trying to enjoy the game right now and not be nervous. Well, also I- I'm also curious because Charlie gets hit, but then he comes back out. Right. Yeah. He- so I thought <laughs> it was fine. And you get hit in the calf and you're like, oh, I'm good. And then he threw that one. He kind of fell. And I was like, whoa, what just happened there? And, and then he calls him out and I'm like, oh no. And then within minutes, it was like, oh, fracture. And I'm like, oh, this wasn't just no contusion. We're like, hey, my calf's a little sore. Like, this hurts. Who calls you? Uh, ben St- Stavanovich, uh, our assistant GM. Got it. So, Which, Jordan, by the way, home run baseball camp alumni. Oh, there you go. Shouts out to HRBC. So he calls, I don't know, he calls you directly. And so did you know before the end of the game that you were going to Houston? No. Okay. It was so, in the game. It was about 1245. So I think games are finishing like around midnight Eastern. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was literally in bed, like sitting there waiting, like I'm, I need to go to sleep. So like, call me now. And Tuki and I were texting and he's like, bro, it's one of us. I'm like, I know. Uh-huh. And he's like, if you hear anything, call me. And so like, I texted him as soon as I heard, I call my mom. I'm surprised she was even up, but I think she kind of knew as well of like, Hey, this might happen. And so that like whole turn of events was just, Real quick, I like two hours of sleep, hopped on a plane to Houston, and then it was, hey, game two of the World Series. So were you available for game two? Because you you said that you pitched the day of game one. So you basically roll off a plane, 
get to the ballpark at like, you know, regular time with your bags and yeah, like, literally I'm you... walking in, everybody's doing like the photo shoots of like the fits and everything. I got my big old Braves bag. <laughs> I just like I roll in like 30 minutes before the bus. So like there's no time of like, hey, where's a clubby to take this to the field? It's like I'm doing this, like, hey, you just got straight up called out. So <laughs> show and go. Staff. Okay, show and, then... and go. It's just, but I was active, I was available. Yeah. I was probably like super emergency of so, I think Max started, yeah, Max started that game, and it was like Maybe if he went like two pitches and like something freak happened, be like, well, we have to throw Tucker. Right, One of those right. probably moments. But I think it was more of let's see, let's get back to Atlanta. Give him a, his head's probably spinning. Let's let's get let's, him to a, a comfortable, <laughs> a more comfortable environment. Let's get this kid. A, let's get this kid a nap. Well, I was yeah, going to say it's almost weird. I know that they literally needed an active pitcher to add to the roster, but it's almost crazy they even asked you to go to Houston at all like assuming you would have made more i i i know well it's like you're saying no but it's right. interesting that it made it would have made more sense to just keep you there but and it's a better story so i'm glad they that they, it kind of is it. yeah and it was i i'd been to houston last year for the bubble but i didn't get to like experience mm-hmm. it with fans and i'm from texas so it was like cool environment and it was just good to like finally like be there because i think if i was watching on tv i'd be a little more nervous of like sure i'm not there like i don't have these jitters i'm going through of like Hey, when somebody like starting pitchers starting to get a little rough, like, Hey, you need to go start tossing a little right. bit, like moving around, making sure. Cause that phone rings, like that adrenaline hits and it's, it's go time. So, so then series moves to Atlanta, you don't pitch in three or four and it comes out that you're starting game five. And like for us in the media, right. We see a tweet and around like probably like noonish it's like oh wow like tucker's davidson starting game five at what point in the process do you learn that you're starting that game 15 minutes before the tweet 15 <laughs> minutes before the tweet yeah i had 15 minutes of like hey i can call my mom i'm like starting tonight i kind of knew the night before that i was probably starting or going to be kind of what we did in game four with kyle wright right. going being a bridge guy hey get us to where we can get to luke matzik and the night shift and let them just do what they've done this whole postseason, And so that was really kind of like, I think the goal was let's see how much like Chavi and Tucker can do on game five. Let's see if we can get mint in there. And just one of those aspects and just turn it over to our bullpen. Cause they were just so lights out. And I think all the starters knew of like, if we go five, it is a good and keep us in the game. We have a shot. And I know, but it's different to like be the starter, right? Cause then you're, you're the oh, guy yeah. that's, you know, it's almost the jitters are now prolonged because it's not even a situation where you can go be in the bullpen and it's not like you're the guy walking out, right? You got to, you have to walk mm-hmm. out, do the walk in front of the full packed house, uh, hoping to, hoping to close it out, right? Cause at this point, they're still hoping to, to close out the world series that day. Um, and I know ultimately, you know, you guys end up losing that game, but I mean, you, you know, pitching in the world series, <laughs> No matter how it went, I, was it? What, it's still what, an what awesome was, experience. Yeah, I, I imagine it was completely uh, surreal. Was it? Was was there anything different about it? Or I, I know you could say, "Oh, you know, it's just another game." But but is it? It's not. It's not just another. It, game. it is. So it was two things. It was also my first game back in the big leagues <laughs> since being hurt. So like, mm-hmm. if you don't know, pitching in the big leagues is a little different than pitching in AAA. I mean, there it matters a little bit more. There's people there and like the, the overall like intensity of the game and we speed it up. That's all we do is like you hear guys every night of like, I let the game get too fast and like, I should have slowed the game down. So that was operation. Number one was slow this game down. 
It is the same lineup, just like you said, just another game. The media blows it up, that type of thing. Oh, it's the World Series, and you make it as big as you want. And that was probably the least nervous I was for a game because I knew I was prepared. Because I knew of like, whatever, all of this has happened, I am here for a reason. And one of those things. So I wasn't really nervous. It was, can you control how fast the game can, is going to get? Because when you get Altuve out to start the game and that crowd of 50,000 starts roaring and the like field feels like it's shaking, you got to control those emotions of like, wow, okay, I got to make another good pitch here to Brantley. Or who, I can't remember who hit two hole that night, but you got to really slow the game down. And so that was really all I was trying to do of like, breathe, let's calm down. I mean, it was a little colder that night. I'm My hands are sweating, so the ball feels different. I'm just like, put it in the box and give us a chance. And that was pretty much the goal. And it's just, again, the, the contrast of pitching live BPs to your manager in front of literally zero people. Not, not just like, Oh, I was in the minors, like zero people. Right. I mean, there zero, there, zero there was no one. There was, it was a, you know, uh, maybe a grounds to, crew or something. To, right. If that, I mean, who's hanging more out right people at all probably were there for the grounds crew than to play baseball <laughs> at the all site. <laughs> I think that'd be a good statement to say. Yeah. yeah. I think that's fact. <laughs> Uh, and then there you are in front of 35,000. So I want to ask about the at-bat because at the time, Jordan and I were losing our minds because it was it's the end, right? Like we're probably getting a DH moving right. forward. And these are the final games in an NL Park in the World Series. And these are the final pitcher at-bats we're ever going to see. When you went up there, was there anything in your mind that was like, if I homer, I might be the last <laughs> pitcher ever. Like I'll be remembered forever. Did you think about that? Or it was like, holy crap, like I'm hitting. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> the fact that you said me homering is, I just can't get over that. That's hilarious. Um, so I can hit in high school. Like I wasn't a bad hitter, but as soon as high school ended, I went to junior college at Midland and I tried to hit for like the first week and the head coach, David Coleman came up to me and he goes, could you get a hit off yourself? I said, no chance. And he goes, yeah, you're a PO now. And I go, okay, it is what it is. So I didn't hit. And then I hit a little bit in double A. I probably had 22 at bats and since 2014. So, and you're in the big leagues and they're just dotting things away. And I haven't seen a left-handed sinker since probably 2014. So, and it was 95. So first pitch, I'm like, you haven't just seen take it. That left-handed sinker, that's for sure. Exactly. With that curveball too, that I have to like, not try to buckle on and be like make pitching ninja and look like a fool. Yeah. So I'm already kind of like, all right, take to get a strike. Maybe he'll be a little wild. Just trying to be too perfect. First pitch is right down the middle. I'm like, Oh, Tucker. Like that was, that was, that was it. Yeah. And then he goes, I was like, all right, I'm going to see this one. I saw the second one pretty well. And it was a sinker down and he calls it a strike. And I like go, Hey, is that the bottom? Cause I felt like it was at my ankles. And he goes, yeah. And I watched the recap. It was a little low. It was a little low. But a little bit, a little bit low. So O2 comes up and I go, curveball. And I was like, try to elevate this sucker because you got no chance. I was like, so I saw it while it popped out of his hand and I just swung right over the top of it. But I didn't, it was a good swing. And I was literally sitting there and I was like, I hit contact on that. That, that ball's in the chop house for sure. That's all. That is so far gone. That's 460 like Freddie. I mean, there's oh, yeah. no and I'm gonna way. I'm going to bat flip it, <laughs> pop my pearls out or whatever, you know. All right. Well, alas, uh, down you go swinging. And then, I mean, again, we were we were like, oh, wow, Tucker, maybe one of the last ones. But then we get the Granky hit. We get the Graveman at bat, all kinds of crazy pitcher hitting at the end. But you, it's very possible you got to hit in the final game 
of pitchers hitting. And for that, uh, you will that, have that. That, that is a cool little thing I get to take home. Uh, we had a couple <laughs> little, a couple things like that. Like we were the most, like most consecutive rookies to start mm-hmm. uh, World Series. I think the Braves personally had the most left-handed pitchers on a World Series roster ever. So I think those mm-hmm. are kind of some two cool things that I can just like. Oh, oh dude, I did this, but I also was a part of this of like. It'll be cool in my 2058 when I'm watching a game and all of a sudden they roll out a whole team of left-handed pitchers. And be like, there you go. Oh, they oh, dude, beat the 2021 Braves. Yeah. Th- right. There's a there's a lot of good trivia and just like uh, historic things about this team, obviously. Um, but let's let's move a little bit ahead. Okay, so you win the World Series. All right, great. We got to get to the parade. Is, is, do, can we go to the parade next, Jake? Or is there anything yeah. else? I mean, do you want to ask about uh, Solaire? I want to ask about Solaire's home Ooh, run. Okay, sure, yeah. Are you in the dugout or the bullpen for that? I was in the bullpen, so we were like, it was on left field, yeah. So like, we're kind of underneath it, but he hit it, and all you can see is Solaire, and I just see him doing his pimping the home run. I'm like, oh, he got it, and so we have the iPads in the bullpen, so none of us saw how far it really went. We just saw like initially off the bat, and then we all freak out when we see like, oh, he hit it out of the stadium. (laughs) So we're all freaking out like an inning later once we finally get to see the replay of it. Right. Oh man, that right because I I guess you had basically the worst possible view of it from in the bulb. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> literally because. anything hit down left field line, you're like, is it fair? Is it foul? Sure, like, yeah. I think Dansby like popped up to the track, and we're like on the fence, like go ball, go! Oh, hey, he still got one later. It was okay. Uh, yeah, it, it all it, it one, all worked out. Too. That was well, also yeah. Okay, so one last thing. So you obviously know the your teammates it's not like you'd never met these people before but you hadn't been around them really at all since you know your last start over the summer and <laughs> the especially whole team when, changed right that's what i'm saying especially <laughs> yeah. with the amount of turnover that the whole team was different the whole vibe of the team was different when you showed back up and you were about to make that start what was the atmosphere of the clubhouse like around you did people talk to you did people try and like communicate with you what was that experience like of kind of just hopping back into the moment after months of being away? It was kind of just soak it all in, enjoy it, and just don't try to do too much. Don't try to interfere with guys' routines. Just, hey, they're on a roll, and just insert yourself where you see fit. And it was great that I was in the bullpen because I could just, all right, Jesse yeah. Chavez is going out right now. I can just follow him, and I, like, I could ask questions. And it wouldn't be stupid because for most of us, that was our first world series or like being into like a deep playoff run. And I think people can kind of like game speeds up those type of things. And you just kind of forget like, Hey, what time's Anthem? Like, do I need to be out there for that? And like, yeah, you do. Like you need to do those things. We got to go dap up the pitcher, just, just little things yeah. like that. So I think just kind of inserting myself of, okay, this is everybody's routine. This is the vibe. Like we're having fun after the games. Like we're talkative. Like even when we lost game, was it game five, we lost game five. And it was just like, even the vibe after the clubhouse was like, we're going to go to Houston and we're going to finish the job. And it was like, we know yeah. we were better than them. We were the hottest team in baseball. We knew nobody could beat us at that time. And it was like, let's go f- finish the job and let's go have a nice fun parade. I love the idea. This last thing before you get to the parade that you show up in Houston and you have to introduce yourself to Jock and Rosario and like all these guys that the rest of us have been watching and like they're on the braids, right? And so are you, right. but you have to walk into the clubhouse and be like, hey man, like, nice <laughs> to meet you. Let's go play game two of the World Series is wild. It really well, was wild. I got to meet Jock like 
So he got traded like a little bit before the deadline. Mm-hmm. The day after the deadline, uh, right. when I when I headed down to uh, Florida to start my like rehab stuff. So I like saw Solaire and like he was in the gym that's like my last day there and I literally was like wow that is a large human and then like Rosario was coming back from an oblique injury um I didn't get to meet uh Richard Rodriguez and because he wasn't there when I was there and it was just like wow this is just like a different team and it was a different vibe from whenever I left and like came back even after like my rehab assignments I was like wow this is just the mood was better it was just like we we're having fun we enjoyed because if, like you look back at the first half of the season Freddie wasn't very good the first month and a half, two months of the year. Like he was struggling and like, we all kind of fed off of him and like Acuna was holding the, holding it all. Like we just lost Ozuna. We were losing Soroka. We lost Darno. Like we were just losing guys. So like the, the yeah, everything was just kind of down and not in the dumps, but like we were just fighting through some things. And so like being able to come back and see, wow, just how much this team has changed. just like how much everybody's into it was just something cool of like, wow. This this is how quickly it can happen, and how fast you can turn into a super hot baseball team. Uh, yeah, and and you know, just for reference, before we wrap with the parade, it's just like I'm looking June 15th, your last outing. The outfield is Acuna, Abraham Almonte, and Guillermo Heredia. Pablo Sandoval pinch hit in this game, right? Like this is <laughs> right. It's <laughs> like, a completely is, different team. It was a totally different different team. You know, we got Sean Newcomb's pitching, Josh Tomlin's pitching. You know, Edgar Santana. Like it is just Inciarte pinch hit in this game. It's like I mean, it's just a completely yeah. different team. And you you came back, and and there you were. All right, so let's go to the parade. Let's 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 finish here. Uh, we have fast really, bus, fast, fast bus. bus. We have. Fast fast bus. Bus. I knew you were going to say bus. something about that. Okay, so this is our number one on board question. Yeah, yeah so I was along? the first player bus. So like whatever the where they don't have the top, I don't know what it's called, like the two seaters, whatever. Um, I was the first player bus. I think it was Jock, Duval, uh, Tuki, Kyle Wright, and Nukem and I. So it was just us, five or six of us, and we like kind of thought we were going quick, and like the first part of the parade was through downtown Atlanta. And I saw videos afterwards and like people were tweeting me like, slow down. And I'm like, I got no control of this. Yeah, like, Tucker slowed. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, let me go tell the bus drivers, slow like, down. I, I'm trying not to get hit in the face with beers right now. So I guess we're flying by everybody. And then we just like sit there and wait and like for like 20 minutes and like, we're waiting for everybody to finish up through the parade. And we're like, and that's when my phone's blowing up to this. And I'm like, okay. So then we go to Cobb County, which was right by the stadium. And we are like snail pace, like to the point where like you could catch a beer, drink it and throw the beer back to the guy and he would still be like facing you. <laughs> I was just like, I was like, all right, this is a little bit different vibe. And then finally, like, I mean, it was just an, an incredible so experience. It sounds like you were on a fast bus, maybe not the fast bus that uh, got 3 million views, eight second clip from some random Twitter user that got 3 million views. Um, but it sounds like, I guess, but, but to be fair, I mean, you, you know, you made this point earlier, you know, this is the first parade for a lot of you guys, but maybe Jock should have said something. Jock should know how fast the, 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 Right. Yeah. The, 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 but did the they do a parade? Last oh, I guess did they have the, a parade last year? That's what I was maybe thinking. I was like, maybe this is his. Oh, they first didn't have parade. a parade. Yeah. Oh man. I'm trying to think who else was wanted on our uh, Charlie. Team. Charlie. Just Charlie. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, he was. I think he had his own car. He, like, <laughs> oh, that's the, true, the cast right. and thing. I don't. I don't know where he was. Like, I know so there was had no his own one car. to. There was no one to kind of as the checks and balance. Like, guys, this is too fast. No one to tell the. 
Yeah. And we're going underneath these traffic lights and like there's branches. And like, I I think I have a video on my Instagram of like me drinking a beer and like Tukey's about to get decapitated by this traffic light. (laughs) And like, I remember like I would grab him like, Hey, watch out branch coming. He'd grab me like branch coming. And you're just like leaning in and out of the way. And like, I think Tomlin, somebody threw a beer at Tomlin and just smoked him right in the face. (laughs) It's not something that you can train for, right? It's not something that there's any practice. Right. You're standing on seats too. So you can like see and like interact with people. So like my calves, the next like three days were so sore, like walking around. I was just like, ah, I've just never had like this pain before. And I was just standing on seats trying to balance while we're stopping and avoiding beers and everything else thrown at us. But hey, no complaints. World no, Series. Oh, I want to do. I want to do that every year. So <laughs> let's repeat this, and then and let's keep I think this dynasty know, going. I think we know. Lesson learned. Run it back, Braves. Repeat champs, and next year, take your sweet time. Let's let's you know. Let's go slow, slow bus next year. Down. Let's let's take it easy. If anything, for the safety of of the right of the of the people on the bus, you know, we got the traffic signs, we got the branches. We just want to be want to be careful. Uh, uh, Jake, I think that's all we got uh, for our good friend Tucker Davidson. I, I feel like we learned a lot. This was this was very fun. Uh, oh, I, I have one more thing. I guess we have to give Tucker credit for one more thing, Jake. Is that do you think we should do this now? Should we mention what did Tucker tell us to do when we uh, when we when we mm, saw him? On, I think uh, I know you're going with this on the, on the field at the World Series, and we have finally we have finally given in. Tucker, what did you tell us when we saw you at the World Series? To join TikTok. Yeah. Tucker Davidson, who I believe your handle is your handle Tuck 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 on TikTok also? Yes. Shouldn't it be Tuck Tuck? I look, I'm not sure I'm saying I'd be So you. that, Did that you was consider very, that very clever. And I've already changed it once because it was like T Day 56, like when I first made it. Because like when I first made it, no idea I was gonna turn into me having like 130,000 followers now on it. And I like I get kids every day and like, I follow you on TikTok and like they yeah. blow it up. So I'm kind of trying to like turn it into the Tuck Tuck community and mm, like, I think I'm going to do some merch go, this year. So it's just, it's like so easy. It. It's a layup. I just feel like we, we need to make sure we're going to, to, to Tuck Tuck. Right. Um, but I uh, finally so, gave in, I finally yeah. gave in and I made us a TikTok uh, yesterday, Jordan. Uh, we have no followers on there as of right now, because there we're is for no, you, Tuck. No we're videos, no talk. content. Hey, wouldn't shock me if y'all passed me in like a week. I, I, Acuna, <laughs> I, Acuna post one video past like, I had like 60,000 followers at this point, passed me in one video. And I was like, <laughs> sick. I've been, I got seven months worth of like hard work. I'm grinding <laughs> over here. Well, it's a little easier when you're as cool as Ronald. All right. Well, Tucker Davidson, uh, he of the, of Tuck Talk fame. Thank you for joining us. Our favorite World Series at Bat Haver. And, uh, Pleasure to have you on Baseball Barbecue. Thank you, sir, and enjoy your offseason. Thank you so much for having me. All right, we are back on Baseball Barbecue. Thank you to our good friend, uh, Tucker Davidson, he of the Tuck Talk, uh, for joining us and telling some, some very fun stories from the Braves World Series aftermath he is a cool gent and i cannot wait to root for him in 2022 uh jake before we wrap up this has been a wonderfully fun podcast episode uh, i think we wanted to do a quick little quick little homage to the site that will be um squarely in our thoughts for every hour of every day for the next four months and that is mlb trade rumors uh you wanted to you want to talk about this a little bit 
It's a good website, Jordan. It is a good website. The tagline, if it's whispered, we hear it. I don't know if you can whisper tweets, but I like this place nonetheless. Anything that happens, no matter how notable or unnotable it is, you can find it on MLB Trade Rumors, hashtag not an ad. I just think that there is something wonderful where it's like, you know, I wake up every morning and the first thing I do before I make my fancy coffee is I go to MLB Trade Rumors. If you go to the homepage right now, Shinsu Chu resigning with SSG Landers is the top headline, mm, right? Huge KBO news, yeah. Mixing mm-hmm. that in with the Barrios seven-year extension. And I just really love that the way that the news flows on this site is that everything is treated with the same level of importance. Oh, that's exactly the point I was going to make. It is so, and yes, there's a sidebar that says top stories. Screw them. That it seems to be curated, which is good. That is useful because you do presumably want to, that's what most people are tuning in. But it is so democratic. It is anything that comes by, it is delivered. The head, the 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 headline is the same font size as the Noah Syndergaard sign. And, you know, when Carlos Correa signs for $700 million, it very well could come uh, at the exact same time, you know, as Jan Gomes uh, signing for $8 million. And it will be given the exact, it will look exactly the same. And it is so, all transactions are created equal, even though that is not true. That is how they treat them. And I, I totally agree. God bless MLBTR. Correa signs $400 million deal with... Tigers, Reds, shake up coaching staff. (laughs) Yes. I also like that, you know, Nationals re-signed Jeffrey Rodriguez to minor league deal. Um, I mean, basically just as many paragraphs uh, as some of these other bigger, like they, and you know, they built out their team. I know that this is, you know, uh, this is, this is, this site has been around for for far. This is not a a recent, it's not like it's, we're first discovering LB trade rumors, but they've come so far. They are an an integral part of our life and literally everyone in baseball's life. And uh, yeah, I don't know what I know. We joke. It's like, oh, you're passing and rose with all notifications on. But, you know, nothing's getting by these guys. As you said, if it's whispered, we hear it. They hear it and they deliver it to us on our device of choice. So cheers to you, MLBTR. Uh, Final thoughts before we say goodbye on this episode of Baseball Barbecue. I'm in a good mood today. Because hey, of the podcast. Good mood Did Tuesday. Good. good mood Tuesday. Bada bing. It's Tuesday. Jordan, you know, a lot of great pop culture out there this week. Keep an eye on it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I did. <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah. I did finally uh, start consuming some Taylor Swift stuff. So that was exciting. I will say my focus um, this week is squarely on the Korean series where the KT Wiz are two wins away from clinching their first ever franchise title uh our friend and beloved hero not our friend but hopefully our friend one day beck hogung can't say that you can't be tossing friend around uh has yet to be he has not gotten out yet in the first two games of the series and uh yeah i'm really excited about it so i know i know you know landers fans are pretty excited about chu coming back but uh the whiz wagon which we told everyone last year you know hop on now before you know this really starts getting crazy uh, they might be about to win a KBO title, and I am pretty freaking excited about it. Am I excited that the game started at 4.30 a.m. Eastern time? You know, not particularly, but I will be waking up to watch at least the ends of those games because I am that into it. 
That is my final thought. Thank you to you, Jake Mintz, for recording this podcast with me. Thank you to Tucker Davidson of the Atlanta Braves for joining us. Thank you to Bobby Wagner and Mike Wargon, as always, for producing Baseball Barbecue. And we will be back next week for, I believe, a pre-Thanksgiving episode uh, where I have a feeling we will have a whole lot more news to talk about. So see you then. <laughs>